Hi there, my name is James Langridge and I am the president of the British American Business Council, Los Angeles. Um, good day to you. Uncertain times. COVID-19 is evolving on a daily basis and we need some answers. And I'm very grateful and privileged today to be able to introduce a couple of experts in their own fields. Um, good morning, Mike Weeks and good morning, David Warburton. Mike, would you take a second to introduce yourself? Good morning, James. Uh, yes, I am the CEO of a company called Frontline Mind. We are global. We're in the US, in the UK, and in Australia, down in Hobart. And we specialize in training frontline organizations such as the US Marine Corps, British Special Forces, um, hospital workers, ambulance drivers, police, um, local area coordinators, social workers, anyone who works on the front line and who works in high pressure, high risk environments. So our specialities are resilience and uh, communication and leadership and enabling people also through recovery programs to get over burnout, get over chronic stress and get over a lot of what we're seeing going on right now in the world because of the current situation. Thanks, Mike. Good morning, Dr. Warburton. Would you uh, take a second to introduce yourself, please? Yes, thank you. I'm uh, Professor David Warburton, like spelled like the bread, and I'm a professor of pediatrics and surgery and some other things at the University of Southern California, and I run a large research program at the Children's Hospital Los Angeles, where we study the uh, effects of various items on lung function, and I also have a global health branch to my work where we study how to make health better in exotic places like Mongolia. Thank you, uh, David. David, jumping straight into you, how important is it right now that people listen to the guidance of staying indoors or staying in as much as possible? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's extremely important. It's really the only effective tool we have to stop the spread of this virus. So this virus is like, it's a relative of the common cold, so it's quite infectious, but it is a very nasty version of the common cold that has mutated, and it is causing very severe lung disease in, in susceptible people. One, one infected person can infect about 10 others on average, and so if we can break that cycle so the virus can't find a susceptible individual to colonize, then, then we can interrupt the transmission of the virus and it will die and go away. That's the rationale for the social distancing and the isolation at home. And if we don't do this, we're going to end up like Italy. If we do do it, we'll end up like China, who have broken the back of it so far. How long do you think this is going to, is it really just going to be the 15 days that it's being suggested right now, or is it going to be a bit longer, do you think? Well, I think 15 days will do to start with. Um, then we have to look at the figures and see how many new cases are appearing and how many people are dying, frankly. Understood. So you're saying stay in, absolute limit the, uh, the, necess the necessity to right. uh, head to the store, so yeah. stock up on some supplies, but don't panic. Anything yeah. else? Well, I think stay, you know, stay six feet away from other people because this virus does hang around in the air and it hangs around on surfaces, so clean everything. 
um, you know, wear your gloves when you go to the store, wear your sunglasses so it doesn't get in your eyes. And if you've got one, wear a mask or put a scarf around your face. It helps. It's not absolutely foolproof, but it's better than nothing. Understood. Mike, what's your advice to some of your clients? I'm sure you're getting, um, you're getting asked lots of questions at the moment on what they can and can't do. What's your, uh, what, what's your output to them? Yeah, so I come, of it, come at it from a different angle, obviously, than um, David. I, I don't know bugger all about the medical side of these things. Um, I do know a lot, and especially right now experientially, about the emotional side and the, the stress and the toll it's taking on people. So I got back from Dubai six days ago, and I've been in self-quarantine. Um, I'm working from my uh, shed. Uh, glorified shed at the back of my house and I've um, had no interactions with any of my friends climbing partners uh, only my immediate family so I'm taking the advice really seriously and at the same time I'm also seeing the the the, the load that it's um, putting on a lot of people you know people who are reliant uh, like the little old lady who lives um, you know on the same block of land as us uh, who who loves daily interaction with her neighbors and her friends um, also just one of our companies uh, that we're working with that has over 800 employees that have shut down all their stores and all their shops and all their factories and they're all working from home and that is a company that's culture thrives on interaction and teamwork so uh, the big challenge we're seeing right now uh, is that all the sensible people are doing exactly what David just said and what all of the medical advisors are saying and it's also having a strain and a toll on people because we're disconnecting at a time when actually you know, we need to actually pull together. So um, I'm emphasizing physical distancing and social deepening, however we can do that, and making sure that all of our networks are able to communicate on a daily basis, to share their problems, to share their thoughts, and then to also utilize a, common, a kind of common and shared language around the resilience piece. Because if we're going to get through this well and effectively, um, we have to ensure that people aren't stressed out of their gourds and they are able to make intelligent decisions and they're not going out and buying guns and hoarding you know uh, uh, 10 years worth of toilet roll and that we're communicating effectively our needs and especially where we're at at the moment now is not the time to be biting the bottom lip and and bottling it all up now is actually the time to be and i'm not talking about you know, uh, uh, posting on social media every five minutes about how terrible you're feeling. I'm talking about communicating effectively your needs, what you need from the people around you. And um, this, this is the first step, I think, that is going to enable us to secure our communities and our teams and our networks to be able to get through this effectively, even though we're all distant and like me working from the garden shed. Thanks, Mike. For my, uh, I'm a business owner as well, and it's certainly been disruptive. Um, there is a lot of unknown questions, uh, answers to questions at the moment. I have a team of people that work for me and honestly, it's very difficult to give a, a, any real communication. I have friends who are business owners as well, and they're having to make some very, very tough decisions based on limited information at the moment. So I completely agree. Communication is absolutely key right now. Uh, over communication. Um, it, it just helps a anything, but at the same time, um, should we be listening to the media, Mike? Uh, is that is that helping? Is there anything else? Are there what other resources are there that people can be looking at right now 
uh, to get some comfort from. Hmm. Well, comfort is a state, what you're referring to there. And what we have to be alert to right now is that there is no such thing as a stressful environment. Um, there might be on a biological level, such as radiation, but the kind of stress that we talk about as psychological stress, that's not a given. If it was, everyone would be experiencing um, stress all the time in all the same context. This is a bit like saying that vaccines cause autism in children. Well, if that was the case, every child would get, uh, would get autism every you know, they've been vaccinated. Vaccines most certainly do not cause autism in children. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is a cause-effect idea that, you know, if that was the case, every single child that's ever had a vaccine would have autism right now. You know, uh, this is is nonsense. And in the same way that saying for most people right now are saying this is a stressful period and a stressful time, uh, I think it's really important to know that we have agency over our emotional responses. And um, if you just look at the, you know, all of our processes are, are evidence-based and we have a neuroscientist who, who has basically gone through all of our work so that it's robust. Um, as, as simply as checking in on our breathing and our physiology and making sure that we're not in a fight or flight arousal state, throughout each day um, most people when they are in a stressed panicked response they are breathing ineffectively they're breathing short and rapid breaths uh, they're tightening up in their physiology um, there's a whole host of other elements to this as well that i won't go into because we don't quite have the time today but ultimately the first thing that i recommend to everyone is just take a step back from the addictive nature of watching the news 24 7 and and bad news cells as we know Take a step back. Instead of looking externally for a moment, go internal. Check how your physiology is. Are you tensing up? Are you holding a lot of tightening and tension around the jaw, around the shoulders? So scan your body, loosen it off, relax, and take some time to just focus on your breathing. Breathing deeply in and out without forcing it. And we know that within a couple of minutes, this will switch over the sympathetic fight or flight or freeze into the parasympathetic where it's more rest and relaxation. And so um, I would attempt to balance out your quota, if not to delete most of it, of your bad news with taking some time to internally check, measure, and support yourself to be able to actually switch off from the stress state that you're generating, but isn't inherent in the context of the situation around you. So um, routine, is uh, uh, is something that's that's becoming very interesting. A lot of us are confined uh, to our properties right now, and so ha- developing some kind of daily routine has certainly helped myself and my family. Uh, I'm sure we all have routines. Um, David, a question for you. Uh, I, I'm understanding that you're working remotely at the moment. How is that? Uh, how are you contributing towards uh, your folks at the hospital? Uh, how are you utilizing technology? Are you using the Zoom platform? What, how, are you, how are you helping? Yeah, well, all of our interactions are remote at the moment. I mean, I have, I'm having uh, conferences with the NIH and government agencies and that sort of thing on, on remote media like Zoom, which is but like being in the same room with someone except you can't touch them. So uh, that's what we're doing. And uh, actually, we have... Uh, a very active Facebook uh, community as well of, of scientists and 
people that we're talking about different ways to approach this problem and thinking up new ideas. So it's actually, um, it, it's, it, it's changed uh, the amount of time one has to do one thing or another. I mean, uh, you know, we don't have to commute anymore, which is a plus, because that takes up like two hours of your day. So uh, in terms of productivity, I think it's actually been quite helpful not to have to go to the physical location. Of course, the folks down here at Children's Hospital in the trenches, I mean, they are um, wearing protective gear and dealing with a lot of anxiety in the field. What are they doing, David? Are they, when, they, when their shift, their effective shift is over, are they actually leaving and, and going back to their residences or are they staying on site? How's that working? No, they, they're uh, wearing protective gear when they need to. And there are... One of my colleagues down there was an expert on Ebola, and he actually worked in in Sierra Leone with the Brits on on Ebola. So we have we have uh, routines for tape, putting the stuff on, checking that it's done properly, and taking it off. And then they take a shower and go home. So it's possible to do that. Right, James. Do can you... I ask David a question? Just because uh, absolutely, it, it's pressing Please. as a parent right now. What intrigues me is that um, we're seeing such low numbers of children contracting corona is that just some delayed response or is there something else going on that the laymen like ourselves are, are not aware of well so as your lungs develop to the best they can be by about 25 years of age i mean that's when you're roger bannister and you can run the four minute mile and all that right and then after 25 to 30 years of age your lung function deteriorates gradually by about two percent a year until you get to be 120 when you, you know, that's it. That's the limit. So um, if you are a 80-year-old person in a nursing home or a 90-year-old person in a nursing home, you're running on maybe half the lung function or less than you had at 25. So this is why they have less reserve. So this, but this, this virus uh, takes away 20 to 30% of your lung function. And when, when your lung is flooded, it's more than that. So it's a matter of how much pulmonary reserve you've got, really. Hmm. I mean, there may be also some immunological reason why children are less susceptible to the virus. But as I said, we've had one case come into the hospital who's really ill and requires an ICU. So I think there are some younger people who are susceptible to it, and they may be uh, people who would be susceptible to other diseases like smoking and, hmm. you know, air pollution and stuff so there are people who are hypersensitive if you have asthma it's bad news if you're pregnant with a large lump in your tummy that's bad news because you can't move your lungs so um there are people who are susceptible and this is why we recommend everybody taking precautions and stay at home when you can and uh, certainly what i'm hearing loud and clear and we're trying to practice that i also interestingly enough in regards to the children item mike i understand that i mean parents generally children generally are more protected than adults parents protect them they keep them out of sight and harm's way generally yeah. especially with something like this and that's one thing i'd also heard i don't know if you'd heard similar david as well well i think it's a natural instinct to protect your children I, mean, I think um, going out for a walk with the family is fine, provide, you know, providing you in an open space and you stay away from other people. But you've also got to worry about the virus being on surfaces and things like that. So probably going into a kiddie playground or something is not the brightest idea at the moment. Right. 
David, in your opinion, as this continues to evolve, and I know we don't have the answers right now, what is going to be, in your opinion, the new normal? And when can we start to expect to see, I mean, at some point, businesses are going to have to operate. People are going to have to go back to work. Right. Well, I think, well, as we are beginning to see in China and Korea, um, they've got on top of it, the, the, the attack rate is coming down and the restrictions are being released. The challenge there is, you know, how much herd immunity have you got? So this concept of herd immunity, it means how many people are there in, in the general population who are immune to this virus? So generally speaking, you need 80% or better, or preferably 90% immunity to pre- present to prevent the spread of a virus like measles, right? That's another great example. Mm-hmm. So if you have 90 plus percent of the population vaccinated, measles can't get a grip because there's no, there are no susceptible, there aren't enough susceptible hosts to infect. And this is the kind of thing we're going to have to do with this one. We're going to have to make it so the virus can't jump to other people. Right now, we're doing that via social isolation. So, the, and certainly in the news, it does appear that China is getting their arms around it, but that's taken them a couple of months. So, is that realistically what we're looking at here? Well, it, I think uh, China was very aggressive about it, and South Korea was very aggressive about it. China did it by isolation. South Korea seems to have done it by contact tracing. So a combination of these approaches will work. It also worked in a small town in Italy where they only had 3,000 people. They tested everybody, found the positive ones, and isolated them. Right. Unfortunately, we have 18 million people in LA, and there aren't the facilities to test everybody. So how is that going to, as that evolves, David, we don't have the ability to test everybody. So the social isolation, stay indoors, six feet Mm -hmm. apart. That's all we can really do right now. Yeah. And the hand washing is very important and the cleaning and the cleaning of surfaces. Mike, you work with lots of heads of state. Um, How are they? Can you give us an example of how that's evolving and how, what directives they're giving to to the people that work with them and the people they represent, what, what are you hearing from them and, and how are you assisting them? Well, I think it's pretty clear that if you look at the, uh, so we work with a complex adaptive system framework called the Kinevan framework uh, created by Dave Snowden, who's one of the world's leading experts in complexity. And um, in, on that framework, you have the obvious domain, which is where everything is just running smoothly. This is you know, like in the UK, you drive on the left hand side of the road. In the US, you drive on the right. Then you have the um, complicated domain, which is where you have um, expert advice and, uh, is, and good practice is required. You have the uh, complex, which is where even if you take it apart by its pieces, you can't really understand it until there's some sort of retrospectiveness. Um, and then you have the chaos, which is the equivalent of a war zone or um, uh, you know, a multi-car pileup, if we're going to use a medical um, analogy. And I think everyone's pretty much sure at the moment that we're in the chaos um, quadrant of that framework. 
which means at the moment, all you can do is make decisions and make them fast because it's worse not to make any decisions. So James, to answer your question, the, most of the people that we're working with and some of these people are at the very highest level, as you know, um, you know working in the, even in the administration, um, they're under no illusion that right now we're in this quadrant of essentially chaos where there is no best practice, there is no obvious way through it. And what they have to do is make decisions and make decisions fast because it's worse to make no decisions. Um, you know, you might be pulling bodies out of cars in a wreck and uh, damaging their spine, but it's better than the cars blowing up because there's petrol leaking, for instance. So you have to make the best decisions that you can under the certain circumstances. Uh, there, there will be a desire to race and push back into the more obvious, the more routine, the more um, predictable domains. Um, but I think we're too deep right now in the early stages for that to happen. So uh, we have to be flexible. We have to be innovative. <coughs> Hello? Am I recording or am I talking to myself? You're recording. Yeah. Okay. You're recording, Mike. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so we have to be flexible. We have to be iterative. And look, in, in any... Uh, effective resilience plan you always need a plan b and a plan c and a plan d and a plan e and those organizations that don't have a secondary plan in place are obviously a lot more fragile and a lot more exposed to risk uh, this is the equivalent of we're working with a huge personal training gym at the moment and um, they have their gyms in nine different countries they have 22 gyms and all of the gyms bar two are shut down um, their industry has been completely obliterated, but they have online programs. Um, they have one-on-one um, -on -one capability. They have zoom-ins for their clients at home. You know, they've had, they have secondary and even third order backups to be able to at least keep some revenues going in. Uh, this is important because it's analogous to what we all need right now. If we if we just hold on tight to the Titanic or indeed play uh, music as it goes down without, without a backup plan, uh, we are less likely to come out of this unscathed. I would suggest to anyone listening to this that if they haven't done so already, that they start creating. And by the way, this is exhausting. It's demoralizing. It can be, you know, a really difficult thing to do. But I would absolutely encourage people to start thinking of their own plan B's their plan C's, their plan B's, their plan N's, um, are based on the availability of what they have uh, available to them. You know, this is resources with people, places, time, functions, their own life savings and so on. And not just expect this to just turn around of its own accord to make sure that you've got some plans up your sleeve in case things do not get back to the way you want them to as quick as they do, as you'd like them to, because they're not going to in reality. Thanks, Mike. Patience is a virtue, and it's a tough one, especially when people are don't really. Again, it's a unknown, and I know there's a lot of the workforce out there, men and women, who are used to being providers for their families in their own respect, and it's just such a big shift and change right now. Um, I, I wouldn't have patience right now, and by that I mean I know some people are stuck in their homes and they can't go out, but we still have access to the internet, albeit patchy in my garden shed. Um, we need to be working on on our own micro solutions and the macro solutions within our teams and communities so that we actually feel like we're not useless. One of the worst things you can have is a, a form, you know, a form of helplessness. Um, whatever you can do 
to start making small inroads and impact in your own in your own immediate world then do it you know and make sure that you're in action every day rather than sitting back and hoping that we're all going to get saved by bailout i mean actually this social isolation and staying at home is an is a great opportunity to get other kinds of work done absolutely you know this is not the first time this has happened so isaac newton he went home to the vicarage for two years when cambridge was shut down during the plague and that was the time when he discovered the motion of the planets and, and wrote Principia Mathematica. So, you know, there are other things that one can get done. And yeah. I'm, I'm actually having a great time at home, uninterrupted, getting a lot of writing done. So I think... <laughs> I agree. It's, not, I agree. It's, not all gloom. it's not all gloom and doom. There's opportunity here, right? That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, right. when, I took my, when I took my business degree, the first thing they taught us is that opportunity is always there and there's money lying on the ground everywhere you just have to be able to see the opportunity so i think a lot of us in the in the sort of science community in the business community um it's a benefit to us to not have to do anything you know and it's time to think so let your brain run free and think up some new stuff i love it i love it the way the way society operates is going to be different in the future there's going to be much more of this online stuff much more online chat much less big, expensive meetings to fly to and things like that. That's all going to go away. I think it's going to be much more of what we're doing today. I, I agree. I think we're proving now that the power, the use of technology in the absence of the ability to be there in person, um, the platforms of different, different ways that we communicate is, is, is there right now. Maybe it was unto, underutilized before, potentially it's being overutilized now, but it just shows that there is the opportunity for a business to continue um, it's, it's very difficult right now, but there is that ray of the glimmer of hope. It's there. People, and, and, and I couldn't agree more right now. We have time on our hands and that's, we, how often do we have this amount of time on our hands to, to do anything? It's very rare. So there is an opportunity now, I believe for us to grow and really understand what, what, you know, think about what could be done in the future and opportunity will come from that i think what everyone wants to know is what is the new normal going to be and the new normal may be using using technology instead of in-person meetings other things as well it's going to evolve it's on a daily basis right now and i think um this power of positivity and, and listening to what, doing what we're being told remaining positive having a routine those kind of things are key i believe in people being able to get through this. Yep, and you know, we know what to do. I mean, <clears throat> plan A is the right plan, the social isolation plan and the hand washing and all and the social and the cleaning of surfaces and all that, that does work. And it will stop, it will slow the progression of this pandemic and fewer people will be affected and fewer people will die. So it's very important to do this. Excellent. Um, we're coming to the end. Um, I'd like you guys to finish with a few words, just a quick summary on both behalfs. Um, I know we've said about, uh, we've repeated it several times, but uh, David, would you would you give us a few words just to summarize? Yeah, well, I, you know, it's um, it's an opportunity to serve. I mean, we, we're serving each other by staying apart, and that's a very important thing. It's like the Dunkirk spirit, right? If we do this properly, we're going to be proud of it later on. 
So it's very important. And we have to give up some things like, you know, we can't go down to the beach and have play rugger on the beach or something, you know. But we've got to be smart about what we do. So uh, I think um, we live in an age of media. So the media are actually very helpful for this in terms of staving off boredom and everything. But if you stay, if you're not infected and you stay away from people and do the hand washing and do the surface cleaning, then there'll be fewer people, there'll be fewer people affected and it'll get better sooner. So just do these things, please. And uh, be proud of doing it for your country and for your neighbours. Thank you, David. Mike, how about yourself? Yeah, so really to sort of echo what David said at the beginning there, I think it's an incredible time for us to consider our place in the world and to think about our values and whether right now we can support other people that might not be face to face, uh, you know, the physical distancing, but it could be part of this social deepening, ensuring that the people around us are thought of and looked after. I'll give you one example. One of the companies we're working with, the owner, you know, he's had his, the value of his business gutted by some 10 times. And he said, you know what, uh, I was about to take money off the table in the next few weeks and I was looking at the big house and all of the trappings and right now all I care about is my teams and getting them through this in the next two months and I've got all that money that we had to put away, we're going to use that as a war chest and I'm going to get my people through this in one piece. And that's taken a load off of his shoulders because it's no longer just about him. It's about what he can do out there in the world. And I think there's many, many incredible events and opportunities arising from this current uh, COVID crisis where people need to or can if they wish to step back reevaluate reevaluate their own sense of purpose and what they're about in the world and see if we can't come out of it the other end better for it. Thank you Mike. Gentlemen thank you so much for your contributions on this podcast today. I really believe it's a very useful very helpful thank you. My name is James Langridge. I am the president of the British American Business Council. And what I got from this is listen to what we're being told, remain positive, And certainly my input is have a routine. If you're at home with your families, it's a great opportunity to connect on many different levels. There's opportunity as well to work on those business ideas that you've brought about for years, weeks, days, whatever it is, and put some pen to paper and start writing out what your plans are because there will be a new normal after this we will get through this if we listen to what we're supposed to be doing right now and we will grow from it once again thank you very much my name is james langridge president of the british american business council Uh, there are going to be a series of podcasts that we're going to be putting out over the coming weeks in leisure travel hospitality the financial industry as well Uh, investment opportunities Um, more to follow thank you very much thanks James thanks David right bye now thank you gentlemen